Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking at all the Premiership action and what went on in the opening round of the URC. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Ulster and Ireland centre Stuart McCloskey. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A, S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. How's your week been, lads? All good. Positive, Jim. Well, you say positive. I'm trying to be positive. It's a Tuesday we're recording because there was a big day yesterday. So watch that on TV. And last week was, it was a good week, actually. I was at the testimonial of Ben and Tom Young's. Andrew, you were missed. Everyone was asking for you there. Thank you. He's nodding. They weren't. <laughs> they were. You know they were. So double team. They were asking for you there. So that was good the other night. And it was good being back in that group of old company. Coley actually spoke to me, Goody. Did he? He not spoke to me in years. Yeah. Do you remember he fell out with us because we said that he was over the hill and too old? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Less of the us. He just didn't speak to you when you went to the training ground once, didn't you, to do some interviews? Very true. So he gave me a high five. Joe Marler gave me a nod which effectively means, I don't know what, that could mean anything. But rolling back the years with some of the young lads who aren't so young anymore, Andrew, some of the the old Leicester lads, which was good to see. Because that generation's mine, isn't it? I think people probably forget when we do the podcast that Ben and Tom Youngs are the generation before me. Then there's myself and Deeks and Ravo and the AK-47, Abo, and then the generation above there's a good six or seven years between us, but you fall into that generation above with Jono and Backy. That's you, Gary. That's your generation. <laughs> They're one generation above me, Jono and Backy and those boys and Wig and Garforth and all the proper old school cockers. My generation was uh, the likes of Jordan Murphy, Jimmy Ferris. Now there's a name and a blast from the past. The biggest set of teeth you've ever seen. Bigger than Keith the Teeth, Alex Groves. Over in Dublin, he came with Jordan. Who else? Lewis Deacon. He'd have been my mucker. Talking of big, Aringley as well. Yeah, <laughs> that that's big. But he came, he wasn't my generation really because he started out. Well, it, I just want to talk about it because he was big. I mean, absolutely massive. Yeah, biggest thing I've ever seen. But yeah, no, it was, uh, I couldn't get there on Wednesday. I was at a dinner, but then it seemed like an amazing event and loads of money raised for various different charities. So um, yeah, gutted I couldn't be there. But how loose did he get, Jim? Wednesday night in London. No kids, no missus to speak of. They're up in Edinburgh. Four in the morning finished, five in the morning. I was just on the sparkling water. I had two bottles of red wine. <laughs> two bottles of red wine on the table. <laughs> and that was it. It was free. I had to drink it. A load of money raised. I'll tell you what. Fully deserved. They're only doing one event, Ben and Tom Young's. And it was one night only, literally. It's been in the making for the last three years. So two great guys that deserved 
I say a send off. Obviously, for Tom Youngs, it's a send off. For Ben Youngs, he's he's got a couple couple more years at the top end, I'm sure. But talking the send offs, what about that funeral? It was unbelievable to watch, wasn't it? Like in terms of the procession and everything, the pomp and the pageantry that went on. That's what we do best. Our forces, whether it be the army, the navy, the RAF, and obviously across the Commonwealth, other people join in. The way it was spine tingling watching it—that procession of the coffin moving through various different parts of London, then out to Windsor. I sat there glued to the TV watching the whole thing. You know, as we said last week, incredibly sad. The Queen was an immense person. You know, our greatest ever monarch, and what a send-off. Two questions, Goody, and you'll be able to answer both of them. Was Tins in the SAS? You're talking about his medals, aren't you? Why are you being horrible? <laughs> I know the answer. Yeah, I've been why? texting him a shit. He's not replied once. I basically sent him two questions. Tins, were you in the SES? Question mark. Didn't reply. Tins, what was the party like after loose? That's all I got back. So we didn't want to answer the medals question. So he's getting some stick. Have you seen it? It's so funny. Yeah. Some of the comments are... Someone says, oh, why is Mike Tinder wearing medals for? And someone said, because he's drank 10 pints of human rugby players pissed. I was like, well, that, that's a medal. Like, in my eyes, you deserve a medal. So the question is around Tins' medals. And also, talking to piss, I know we don't want to make light of the situation, but it's a question that my good self and someone who's deep-rooted to monarchy, but also human optimization. how are they going toilet? How do you hold the toilet in that long? You're talking about in the 14-hour queue or you're talking about the procession? I'm talking about the procession, but I'm also talking about the, the royals that are in that mixer where they're on screen for hours and I'm sat on my sofa and one thing, I am knackered watching it. And the other thing is, is I'm going to the toilet three or four times and I've not even had a glass of water. So, Andrew, your good self is probably more qualified. I know your mum was a maths teacher, but... I imagine you're pretty good at science. How does one hold it that long? It's ironic, isn't it? Because we had the same conversation in our house. Now, I have this thing with my missus where she's a woman. She's obviously had twins. She needs to be going to the bathroom a lot throughout the day, as women do seem to more than men. I can go a good eight hours without needing a piss. Or I can hold it in. I'm like a camel, basically. <laughs> a camel drinks water. You don't drink water. <laughs> I do drink a lot of water, but I can just hold it in. I've got that mental capacity to hold it in because... I don't like public toilets, James. You know that. I know that. The old boy dangling in the pot. Yeah. I just remember last year, I did a game down in Exeter. And when I got there, I went for a wee uh, in some absolutely shocking toilets where I think there was a fan next to me and he was trying to give me splash back or whatever. And then you do the, the BT Sport game. So I was there for, you, you're there for a good four, five, six hours, aren't you, on a BT Sport day. And then as I'm leaving the ground, I'm thinking, I need another piss. And bearing in mind Exeter back to where I live is a, a, a good three and a half, four hour stint in the car. I thought, no, I can save this up. I can save it. I'm a camel. So I reckon I went about eight or nine hours that day, drove home, got home, walked through the door. Mrs. said to me, how was your day? I said, I'm gagging for a piss now. I've been holding it for four hours since Exeter. And she's like, you're a weirdo. It's probably why I had those kidney issues last year. But what I'm saying is I could hold on to it. The missus would be like, nah, I need a wee. So at my funeral, I do not expect you to be going to the toilet. Now, that is the thing that you've set. You've set the precedence now that you can hold it. So at my <laughs> funeral, which I'm hoping goes on for a good couple of days on the all dayers, I'm hoping that... I'm not hoping anything. I'm hoping it's a long time away, but it does make you think about your mortality. You know, when you're watching that on TV, how, God, I'm going deep here, how sure life is, how important people are and family and history and all these things. But it was amazing. It was wicked to watch. And I do feel, as a country, I feel more glued, more part of our friends walking down the street. I don't, I'm talking absolute bollocks. Watching it on TV look wicked is all I'm saying. 
Well, talking about getting together and being together again, we've got an announcement to make, lads. The Rugby Pod live shows are back. Our first live show of the season is happening next Wednesday, and it's definitely at the slickest venue that we've been to yet. It's on at Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium in London. Andrew, it's been a while. Let's be honest. It has been a long old summer. You've been on six holidays. I know it's a slick venue. We're still going to drink responsibly, but let's be honest... We're having it, haven't we? We are having it in London next Wednesday. I love, I love the way that you're up there in Edinburgh. You're trying to whisper down the microphone because you, you're so excited about a live show in London next week. I am as well. I have to talk about it with my full voice because I'll be getting home at some point. I'll probably tell the missus I'll be home by midnight, but I meant midnight the next day. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I, I was lucky enough to go there last year, but it's going to be unbelievable. So uh, get your tickets, lads and lasses. Yeah, because they're hosting the Barbars versus the All Blacks 15 later in November. So this is a chance to come check out what is an epic stadium and watch the Rugby Pod Live show with a special Barbars guest and probably be in uh, Barbars style, as Jim Hamilton calls it. Tickets are five quid and all proceeds go to charity. So get to eventbrite.co.uk and search for Rugby Pod to get involved. It's next Wednesday at 7pm and tickets are limited. So go and get your mates together and get on it. Goody, you've got a new mate, a French referee. Yeah, lo and behold, I have made friends with the French and specifically a French referee because, Andy Rowe, look at you beaming. You wouldn't be this happy had he not made that decision, would you? Basically, Mathieu Reynaud, everyone, if you're a rugby fan, you must have seen it. Mathieu Reynaud, the referee, and I'll be, I'll be frank and honest, I thought he was stinking at some parts of that game. I thought... The, <laughs> <laughs> so we're mates, but he's, if he listens to this and... He has told me, Matthew Rain, I'm going to announce it now. He has told me when he's allowed to, he's happy to come on the podcast and have a chat with us. So I look forward to that. No, 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 no. But during the game, let's be honest, I thought he was inconsistent. But at the end, when a decision had to be made, when Bernard Foley is trying to do his shoelaces, trying to look for someone in the crowd, trying to waste time, Matthew Raynaud was clear as day in his communication and uh, he made a, a huge decision to award New Zealand with a scrum. Some may disagree. I think a lot of people agree now they've heard the audio, which I managed to get by hook or by crook. The referee mic. Imagine getting the referee mic and just having access to that to be able to put it out there on social media. Has someone sent you that, Andrew? Now you're friends with the referees. And this has stemmed from your interaction with the guys after the European Cup finals. We're yeah. all best friends. He's texting me. He's tweeting me. <laughs> We're drinking. Me and Andrew Brace. Bracey. Brace is alleged. But now... It has got to the point where you've built such a great rapport with referees that now the referees of all referees, I say that because the French are the ones that you go the hardest at <laughs> and we have gone the hardest at over recent years. You've given a backhanded compliment by basically saying he was awful in the game, bar that one decision, which was the headline point, to the point where someone sent you some audio and he's messaging you on WhatsApp and he's loving you. And that's the thing. So I managed to get hold of the ref mic and the clip of where they've taken out the commentary it's always something, right? You're watching TV and when you just listen to the commentators and sometimes I'm guilty of doing it sometimes when I'm commentating, Jim, I'm sure you are. Sometimes you just need as a commentator to let that moment air out and be allowed it to happen. And so everyone can hear the referee, you can hear the noise, you can hear the emotion, all that stuff. Sometimes some commentators, some co-commentators talk over it. And I'm always conscious of if you're hearing something, when the referee is speaking, a co-coms or a lead comms, I don't think should be speaking because the viewer at home needs to hear what the referee is saying because it actually helps a little bit with their decision-making on how good the ref is or not. 
And so I got the underlay where they took out the Australian comms and just heard what Matthew Raynau said, whacked it on social media. Next thing I know, someone says, can I give Matthew Raynau your number? Because he wants to thank you for... Who? Who are all these people? Who are these somebodies? Who sent you the audio? Contacts. Mate, I've got friends... What Kiwi has sent you the audio? (laughs) Andy Rowe. I've got friends in high places now, James, because I am on that mission to become a world-class TMO. <laughs> but no, I had to agree with him. Like he got some decisions massively wrong in the game. But in that one, and when you hear the audio, when you hear exactly what he's saying, I don't think Bernard Foley's got a leg to stand on. And it was quite interesting. He spent the next day and a half doing loads of interviews, getting out in the press. And fair play to him for doing it. But you've been caught with your hand in the cookie jar because you're telling fibs, son. You are telling fibs. You knew exactly what was going on. You knew what Matthew Raynaud was telling you to do and you just ignored him and you suffered the consequences. And listen, I was desperate for Australia to win just so I can come on this podcast and abuse Andy Rowe. Just give you a bit of banter because it's 20 odd years, isn't it, since they won the, the Bledisloe? Why being oh. horrible? Don't be horrible to <laughs> I know. Australia. Don't, you don't need to say that stat, but that is the stat. So I was desperate and I was watching it. I was on my way up to a lunch to speak at a lunch in Birmingham and I was watching it on the train and it was an unbelievable test match. Let's make no bones about it. It's up there with one of the best test matches I've seen in recent times. And I'm desperate for the Aussies to win because they've come on strongly. Obviously, we, we like Drew Mitchell. We're good friends with him. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him, Stan Sport, get Drew Mitchell more on the TV, please. Get rid of a couple of the old dinosaurs. But yeah, I thought it was great. And I was desperate for Australia to win. Yet, Matthew Raynell got the decision right. But Australia could still win the test if they defended right. And they didn't. And New Zealand took the chance and won the game. And fair play to them. Can we talk about time-wasting? Because there is quite topical at the moment do you think this is a reaction to what's been talked about in the press or do you think this is a one-off incident or do you think that actually there's been directive to clamp down on time wasting well that question is the question because me and goody i think we're going back and forth on whatsapp because we love our ruggers when have you ever seen that given now i'll give my opinion quickly on it because i think it is important that i did flip-flop and change my mind when i initially saw it I was like, that's harsh. And I still, a part of me, think that it was a harsh call because you've never seen it given. But now that Goody got the audio of someone <laughs> and you hear it in just that, if you just hear it solely in that format, which is what Bernard Foley, because he was close to Machu Reynal, then you can understand why. But how many times have we seen that? He could have just said, I'm stopping the clock again. You need to kick it or I'm going to ping you. If he did that... He gave him a warning. I know he did, but if he would have stopped his clock again and then no one from the All Blacks would have complained. No one would be talking about it now and said, oh, he's been given two warnings. No one. Even if they give him a third warning, no one would be talking about it. would be like, mate, you need to kick it. That's the whole thing around it. We've never seen it given. But Australia, all the team, all his teammates, Bernard Foley, were screaming at him to kick it. So then everyone could feel the emotion and the not the irony. He was half a second from kicking the Zibol and he didn't. So he's learnt the hard way, unfortunately. But like Goody said, there was a number of calls in there. The Darcy Swain incident, for example, which was a complete dog move. And you don't do them kind of things. So there's a number of things that could have went a different way. But I think the time-wasting one, whether or not they've spoken about it, Andrew's going out for dinner with them all tomorrow, I think, when they get back. So maybe he can tell us next week. But it's the fact that we have never seen that given ever and my goodness me, massive consequences. Yeah, and you're talking about never seen it ever. What they're trying to do now, and they're trying to bring it, we've seen a few of them. You know, the five-second use it rule around the rucks when people are building the fucking centipede ruck thing. And in doing that, then referees are now clamping down 
to stop that and just giving a scrum to the opposition. So it's a clear kind of policy from refs. You think back to that France-Wales game in the Six Nations that lasted, there was a half that lasted over an hour and it was the 100-minute game or something like that. That's what they're trying to get away from. Now, it's quite interesting. I put it out on social media, obviously. It's gone viral. I've got loads of people coming back to me who have never in their life been in that sort of arena going, oh, he wouldn't have been able to hear the referee. I'm like that. How do you know? Have you ever been in that situation? <laughs> oh, here he is. Let me be honest. I have. And I was the, someone that wanted the game to be as slow as possible because I was always out of breath and couldn't breathe, right? So I knew every trick in the book to slow the game down and did it regularly. But I could always hear the referee and it never once did the referee ping me for taking too long because he gave me a warning and then you listen to the ref, you're eking out the clock as much as you can and then bang, you take the kick. So I've been in that situation where refs have said, come on, Goody, hurry up, kick it, Goody, clock's on you, that sort of thing. And you just get on with it and kick it. Yeah, but Bernard Foley, he's turned around, he's not even interested in what Matthew Raynell's saying. He's looking at his forwards. And then the next day he comes out, he's like, mate, we have a process that we go through, you know, to get the call, clarity and all that stuff. I went through all the other penalties. He doesn't take anywhere near that sort of time and all the other kicks to touch. And it's ironic, isn't it, that when he makes a half break, offloads to Kellaway, Kellaway scores the try, he rushes the conversion even before the TV can get the picture of him taking the conversion on because he knows there's a chance that that's a forward offload. So it goes both ways. You rush a conversion because you don't want them to check the forward offload or forward pass. And then at the other end of the field, you're time-wasting because you know there's 90 seconds left and you can eke out 10 seconds. If that is a decision that they're going to make, and if that is a directive from World Rugby around speeding the game up, around making it more watchable, all the refs have got to do it. But that is the debate we always have, isn't it, around decision-making and referees. And one day, Matthew Raynaud is going to come on here and we've been texting and we're friends and I love French referees now. I'll just finish on this because I think it's an, an important point. The trial by social media that we saw after the storm, effectively on social media, was one thing we're seeing. We've mentioned it over the recent weeks about the shift in rugby. I quite like it, the interaction. But the other thing that I like that's been on social media is like what Goody put up is the audio, but is also that interaction specifically with Nick White and Ray now that's doing the rounds and gone viral after the game where Nick White goes up to him and says, You've cost us a fucking rugby championship, mate. You've cost us the championship. And then Matthew Ray now says, Sorry. I, I I do make it the big balls. I do have us a big balls and I call it and I say, I is sorry, but you don't think I do this. You don't think I got the big balls, but I have and I have a massive balls and now I go out. No, I'm not because I'm not allowed to go out because someone might hurt me. But Nick, you know, don't come at me like that again. Don't you do it there again. Something like that. Hold on a minute. What is he? Is he like half Japanese, half German? Yeah, I think he was from uh, Dallas, Texas uh, <laughs> via Portugal. But so, he said something like that. My point is, I enjoyed the interaction after that we got to see. And that is the beauty, if there is a beauty, of social media. So I'm just going to park it there. You don't think I got the balls. You don't think I have. Well, Australia, geez, Louise, he's fucking dead. Let's move on to the Premiership now then. Jim, Saracens did it to Quinns again, didn't they? Coming from 17-0 down to win it. I thought, what is going on here? 17-0 down. In hindsight, and looking back on the game, when they were 17-0 down, I was thinking, is this the transition of Saracens that I was thinking about last year? And then I watched them in the second half and thought back to what they were doing in the first half. 
and seeing how they played in attack, they have added a scary level of attack on their game. And me and my agent were talking about the bat row, about the ultimate bat row that you'd want. They have got the best back row in the Premiership and would have one of the best back rows now around Europe as well. And their ability, and yeah, we can get into it why Farrell played and Billy Vanapola played and their stars played and Quinns were missing Marcus Smith and Danny Kerr, who turned out to be huge in terms of missing them for that game. But the level of attack that Saracens brought, Nick Tompkins, again, I thought was brilliant. Elliot Daly looked really good. But the bat row, Ben Earl, Theo McFarland, Billy Vanapola in that second half was absolutely world-class and a huge call. But they've got to be front-runners. If they can play how they did in that second half, they are front-runners for the Prem again this season. It was a fantastic performance. And do you know what I loved about it, in reality, is what they all said after the game. So we could see, to start off with, they're obviously playing in their own half and Farrell throws the intercept. And there was a, there was a big play at point in the game where Don Brandt goes off. Don Brandt was outstanding, wasn't he? You talked him up last he week, He was Jim. wicked first half. His battle between him and Billy was going to be the big storyline. And he dominated that first sort of 38 minutes or however long he was on for. He was head and shoulders above Billy, wasn't he? But that was a, a kind of sort of microcosm of the game where Saracens, it was their first game of the season. They were a bit slow out the blocks, a little bit rusty. Don Brandt played last week, played really well last week as well, was dominating. He goes off with a hamstring injury. Billy and Saracens settle into the game and ripped them to pieces at times with their offloading game. Billy was ridiculous, wasn't he? Like, how good? But what I loved after the game was they all came out openly and said, yeah, we're going to change the way we're playing. Like, we're going to try and play a better more open, expansive game of rugby, which is going to lead to mistakes. We ain't used to seeing Farrell flicking one on the inside, inside his own 22, are we? We're not used to seeing Saracens play from that deep time after time, which they kept continually doing. And they tightened it up a little bit in the second half, I think, and went a little bit back to what Saracens are known for. But like Jim said, the detail in the attack, Joe Shaw is attack coach, you know, head coach actually that runs the attack, brilliant bloke. Of course, they're going to be there or thereabouts because the quality in their squad and, and when they play in that manner and attack in that manner with the, the, the outstanding attributes that the players that they've got have, they're going to be a handful for any team. Goody, Wasps had all the territory, beat 34 defenders to Bristol's eight, but they fell short again. What's going on, mate? Two games, two defeats. You can't fault the desire to play and you know go back to the Gloucester game last week. They played some unbelievable stuff at times. Against Bristol, you look at the stats... You know, 69% territory, they beat 34 defenders, yet you're losing a game comfortably. There's all the excitement, all the, the, you know, they've got line breakers. Tom Willis was ridiculous at times, ball carrying. He made a load of metres made and beat a load of defenders, but it's the end product. So, you know, you can do all the fancy dance stuff you want. If you're then making basic errors after a line break or not looking after the ball, and we've all been in games where, and, and Wasp probably thought they should have won that game comfortably with how the game was unfolding on the field, not the scoreboard per se, but in terms of all the line breaks, all the dominance. But if you can't finish it, then you're not going to win games. And I think that's obviously what cost them. You go back to the week before against Gloucester, they had that opportunity to go 28-0 up. They knock the ball on a metre from the line. Lewis Rees-Samick goes the length and scores. And that's the change in that game. So again, Bristol, fair play to them. First time Bristol have won away at Wasps in 22 years. So, you know, Bristol have obviously bounced back, but Wasps will be kicking themselves because the error rate, Lee Blackett said it after the game, just unfathomable how you can make that many errors with that much dominance in terms of territory and possession and you know the, the attacking stats that they showed. 
Worcester have been at home by Exeter on Sunday, but we saw the supporters making their views known and owners put their side of the story to BT Sport as well. It's obviously a huge week for the club, but what do you guys make of what the owners had to say? I don't want to say too much. Yeah. Get your cowboy boots on, is all I'm saying. I don't want to say too much because it is a bit of hearsay. I'm not close enough to that group of players, but naturally you hear rumours and you get a feeling about what's going on. I think a lot of stuff is being covered up at the minute. And also, from a business point of view, not that I am an entrepreneur or a businessman, but I kind of have a decent understanding that the sale of a multi-million pound club, whether it's in the minus or the plus, but with a worth doesn't go through in two or three days or a week. It takes months. If they want to do the right thing by Worcester Warriors, it can go through very quickly. You know, and you saw their statements. When you've got Steve Diamond on the pitch doing an interview pre-match where he's got the tightest blue T-shirt on ever, he looks like he wants to go down Weatherspoons for a few pints and a scrap afterwards. He was ready to go. He's doing the interview. And when he's like, well, it's news to me, you know, he's the director of rugby there. And he says that he hasn't now been kept up with actually what's happening day in day out the I, I actually thought the the statement the owners put out it was just a load of waffle but that's what i mean goody so that's what i'm saying like that ain't a club that's going to sell in a couple of days is it two or three days i know as, as a business overall but surely someone look, needs to look under the bonnet and there's no engine yeah but if and this my point on it is and I, I agree with you jim but also in saying that if you know the only way that those owners can help the club survive is by basically just handing the club over to someone else who's got it. They've got no cash, right? So they've got no cash to pay the wages and, and keep the club running. So Steve Diamond mentioned it the other week, didn't they, about servicing the debt? Well, they can't service their debt at the minute. They're basically now trying to say that we've got some owners that are interested, some new owners, but they definitely want us to stay part of the club. you got to go, boys. You're absolute cowboys. The best thing I saw was one of the fans had made like a banner or something that said, get rid of the Cowboys or these owners are Cowboys or no Cowboys. And when the fans are calling the owners Cowboys in rugby, listen, we ain't playing football then and we know football fans are very different. But I think it's clear um, on Steve Diamond's face and on the players, there's a lot of goodwill from a lot of people at that club to get that game on at the weekend. There's a lot of people that love the club, care about the club. And I said it a few weeks ago, these two owners, they don't care about the club. If they cared about the club now, they'd hand it over to someone who could service the debt and they would not try and take the club down so that they get some money out in terms of the land or whatever. My desperate hope is they do the right thing by Worcester and allow new owners to take over and stop negotiating because you, you ain't got the money to service the debt. So the club goes bust and then the club becomes obsolete, which is the worst case scenario for every Worcester fan. So you've had a go. You've absolutely failed. Give it to someone else that can take over the club, take on that debt, service the debt, pay the debt, pay the people, and get the club running again. Hand your fucking tweed jackets back as well. You don't deserve to wear them. <laughs> well, we'll come back to the Premiership games a little bit later on, but let's have a look at the URC because that got underway at the weekend, and it wasn't a great start for Glasgow away at Benetton, was it, Jim? Oh, my Glasgow. No, it wasn't. One positive that came out of that game, two positives that came out of the weekend is that the Italian teams look much better. They do. That's what we can say. So Benetton are a settled team. They've lost their star player, Monte Ioni. He's not coming back. He's now Australian again. He's not Italian, so he's gone back. Not too sure. I mean, there's rumours out there about why he's gone back around his mental health. His family's not there, but he's not there anymore. And he's one of their star players in recent years. And it's not been a one-man show, but it kind of has in some of the games. But collectively, Benetton looked very good. 
They've got an influence now of a couple of people I know. Callum McRae, who is the Edinburgh defence coach, is now doing some stuff around their attack. Julian Salvi, former Exeter Chiefs back row no tags, who I played against the other week. He's doing the defence, I think, or the contact area. And all the rumblings you're hearing about Italian rugby, and it's taken years for them to get to a certain point. See, I'm making excuses for Glasgow straight away. Yeah. But that's what I'm hearing is that it's, it's in a bloody good place. And the two games at the weekend, we'll talk specifically on this one in terms of their attack, in terms of the strength and depth, the Italian players that they've got coming through the system. All the noises have been made, and it seems like they're now backing it up. But Glasgow were, like Stevie Ferris said at half time, they look out on their feet. And how can you be out on your feet? in the first game with a Franco Smith and Danny Wilson getting sacked at the end of the season as a coach not that he's going to hide behind it but it's going to take a while isn't it for a coach who's only had four weeks to turn it around the issue that I had watching that game and Stevie Ferris mentioned it and John Barkley who were commentating on the game was the lack of effort that's what it looked like the lack of desire for the jersey and yes they were better in the second half they made a few changes some of the British and Irish Lions and the Vegas and came on Ali Price as well, but it was a very poor performance. But don't underestimate how good Benetton were. Yeah, and the thing I love about it is, Jim, one of your most famous sayings is deny, deny, reaccuse. And so when the coach is asked afterwards about the performance, Franco Smith just came out with, I inherited that problem. I didn't create it. He's basically saying they're shit from last year and it's not my fault, boss. <laughs> Fair play to him. Well, at least Edinburgh had a big win, Jim. They did. Hashtag always. Hashtag always Edinburgh look very good. Under a bit of pressure in the first half. Hold on. Just put this into context. Who do they play against? The team that I thought would be a lot better this year. <laughs> the drags. Oh, my dragons. I mean, oh, my dregs, dragons. Call them what you will. Fair play to Edinburgh. But, Jim, what have you done to the dragons? You spoke to Dean Ryan. And then he goes at the players as well. Well, there you go. It's nothing to do with Dean Ryan, is it? He's my mate. It's all the players' fault. That's what was kind of said afterwards. Which, going back to my point around the Dragons decent team Will Rowlands Skipper Ross Moriarty played JJ Hanrahan who's a quality player as well CO Tomkinson in the centre so they've got a bull now in there and decent pre-season is what I heard <laughs> and they actually started alright they started alright and Edinburgh's tries and a snapshot of it they didn't really have to do much. It was off broken field, line breaks. Darcy Graham with his new helmet scored a couple of worldies. Didn't really have to do much, really. So I mean, you talk about the game's evolution as well. We spoke about Saracens. Edinburgh looked brilliant at times, taking the ball to the line out the back, using some of the back three players that they've got who are quality. They've got Buffelli to come back as well. So I don't know what to say about Dragons, but proof in the pudding. They went out and got a smashed up after because it was only... 44. Yeah, 44. Yeah, but I mean, it depends. If they're Dean Ryan's comments, then he might not have been invited out. So, As players there, I mean, fair play to Dean Ryan. He has gone hard at him, hasn't he? And he said, he's, I think his quote was something along the lines of, where we were in pre-season isn't anywhere near what we showed on the pitch today. And, you know, senior players have got to take ownership. And he basically said it was shocking. He basically pointed the finger at the players and said, it's all their fault. And I like that. <laughs> As a coach... Some coaches protect players. Some coaches tell you the truth. Sometimes you need to tell the truth, don't you, James? Well, he's protected them a lot. And he's always spoke about being in transition, a team they're building. And he's put a squad together there. And they've got, on paper, they've got a decent squad now. They've got a mix of young lads. I mentioned Will Rowlands. He's an established international. Ross Moriarty, we've spoken about him on here as one of the best bat rowers in the world on his day. And at some point, it's not even about losing games. You're going to lose games. It's about the manner in which you do it. And 44 points to six. 
some might say is unacceptable, especially if you're looking at who you're against. If people don't respect and don't rate hashtag always Edinburgh, I do. And they've got a settled team now and their quality. But are they, well, they were on the day. They were nearly 40 points better than them. So rude awakener for the Dragons compared to what we've seen with the other Welsh teams. Ulster maybe looked like the most impressive team in round one, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely spank Connacht. I just put it out to put it out there, didn't I? And we're going to chat to the main man himself in a bit, but just whacked it on social media. I saw Stuart McCloskey's offload. Absolutely ridiculous. Sonny Bill McCloskey, they're calling him. Over the back, round the back. He could have probably scored the try himself by just leaning over, but the offload was ridiculous. He was class. And Ulster, we are closet... We're not even closet Ulster fans. We're Ulster fans, aren't we, Jim? Yeah, we are. And again... All these top-tier teams in the URC, and I mentioned Saracens, and I just mentioned Edinburgh with their attack, it seems like something switched where they're like, actually, if we're going to be playing against the big South African teams, we're going to be playing against a Leinster who kicked the ball, but uh, an all-rounded team. If we're going to compete in Europe, we need to be able to attack. And there's no doubt about it. We saw Ulster picking and going. They've got a brilliant more going forward. But seeing Stuart McCluskey's offload, I know it's done the rounds because Andrew, his good self, tweeted it and off the back of that it goes viral that is something that I don't remember seeing off a player like him he was a route one up and down Chinatown why being horrible no he's a bull a bull of a man but what would Sonny Bill do he'd lob it like that they wouldn't even go back and look at it they wouldn't go, even go back and check it if it was Sonny Bill but they saw Stuart McCluskey's offload they were like actually we need to check this <laughs> is this legit <laughs> Ulster to go to the next level need to bring something else and they're quality up front. They're well coached, well drilled. Got some brilliant players. They've got Mike Larry to come back. Jacob Stockdale, the horse, who's looking lean. So they've got quality across the board. And maybe when we ask Stuart Bill McCluskey whether this evolution of that one specific offload is the direction of the game and the direction of travel for Ulster, because you ain't shutting that shit down. Well, we can have a chat now about that victory and all things Ulster as centre Stuart McCloskey joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Still recovering from the weekend. Still a bit sore. First one of the year. So, yeah, struggling on, but getting old, you know what it's like. I love that. He's just playing it down. We're just going to go straight to it, mate. That offload. Are the boys calling you Sonny Bill McCloskey this morning? Or it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? And P.S., you're welcome. Uh, yeah, cheers for the shout out. <laughs> yeah, I got a few few messages from boys saying Sonny Bill Williams, but no, sometimes you, you practice these things. Sometimes you might as well try them on how the advantage. I came off for once, so thankfully a few good few good tweets for about me for once well the whole thing has been around route one china if you can still say that but that's been your history before and it got to the point where i don't think the referee quite believed that it was legit because they had to check it did that take the the sting and the emotion actually out of that moment that they went back and checked it i didn't even notice to check it i was sort of it was one of those ones i didn't even celebrate i kind of just walked straight back to halfway trying to act like it didn't mean it it was suddenly all the time <laughs> and then Lukey came up to the halfway and was like what was that bit and i was like i don't know just <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good celebrating it after. It was good joking about it afterwards. It was magical. That's what you said. You said, mate, that was just the magic. <laughs> we lit read him. I think that is what you said. I think that we heard it on the ref mic. Well, Goody's got access to all the ref mics now, so we can find out actually what was said about it. I uh, know it was uh it was an interesting day anyway. I was doing a best man speech at five twenty and then it was better rugby at half seven, so it was a bit of a whirlwind uh, a few hours from it. So what you were saying, you've had you had ten points in the lead up to the game. Is that what you're saying? It was one of them stories, was it? <laughs> I can't confirm or deny, but uh it might affect contact and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> mate we'll say you had five five is responsible ten is not responsible before a game but obviously mate the season started very well for you boys an emphatic 36 points to 10 
victory over Connacht. Pre-season, you're always obviously great to get the first game out of the way, but pre-season been tough. Is there an evolution in you as a player now seeing that offload? Is that, we're going to see more of that? I don't want to be too like rugby nausea about it, but yeah, I think I got sort of centred in as being like a cross ball centre for a while. and I don't think it really was. I think people just said it was for because it was big. But yeah, I think the last season or two, you've seen a bit more of the pullback passes, the offloads coming through and I think the coaches sort of allow me to do a bit more as well. So it's nice to be playing on a team like that. We were talking about the Premiership, but also even the Italian teams and watching the way that Cardiff played at the weekend as well and particularly yourselves. Is there a big play from your team also without giving away any inside knowledge that you've got a great pack of forwards. We were kind of joking at the start, weren't we, about you being a route one China. You've got a, a classy back three as well. But is there a real push now for the evolution to play more and take more risks with the ball in hand? Yeah, you sort of see, I don't know, we probably didn't see the game against Ulster, us against the Munster at the end of last year where we beat them 36-10 or something. A lot of good sort of like first phase, second phase tries that were through the backs, which is nice. But we also had the evolution like the forwards at the weekend ball really well, sort of beat them up there and that allowed us to win because we were pretty messy in the backs. I know we have a lot of electric guys like Balakun and Stockdale, but we had a lot of errors. So it's all only improvements from here. We can, if we pulled on the ball a bit more, it could have made a few more points. And then in talking about the back line, obviously there's some real stars there. Balakun, you mentioned there, Mike Lowry at fullback. Your centre partner, James Hume, has been ridiculous and you know he, he's been outstanding form for the last sort of couple of years as well. Do you feel, and it's quite a tough question to ask, I know you went on the tour uh, down to New Zealand with the call-up, do, do you get enough praise around the island setup for you boys playing as well as you do at times where you know, we, we've seen a lot of Leinster and Munster boys getting picked a, a little bit more? That's <laughs> yeah, tough as well. It's a tough, tough one, but it's an, honest, it's an honest one because watching from the outside, you boys are ripping it up and James Hume and you know, centre partnerships are, it's probably the, the most competitive area of Ireland's team, right? Well, that, yeah, that's it. Like, like, I'd love to have a few more caps and if it was my opinion yeah probably should have had a few more by now but like listen the guys that have been there over the last six seven years since I got my first cap it's probably been the best sort of seven years in Irish rugby history like centres wise anyway Bundy and Robbie were starting for the Lions which are the 212s and sort of played against them in it not to say I don't think I could have done a better like a good job or a similar job to them playing for Ireland but it's tough when guys are there already established on a team that's winning why would you change it if you know what I mean if you're a coach why would you change that there's not, nothing really to gain from it yeah, it must be tough. I mean, we, I think you've got six caps for Ireland, yeah. I'm right in saying. And I think everyone can agree that you get 106 for Scotland. Oh, that's old news. <laughs> you know, I think everyone can, can agree that you probably deserve more. But we've mentioned the players there and it's great that you're quite candid. What is Andy Farrell like filtering down to players like yourself who are on the edge of the squad? Is there feedback or is it a case of like, look, mate, you've got these two in front of you and there isn't a huge amount you can do? Or is there that feedback to say, look, if you start throwing stuff out the back door like you did at the weekend, you're in? No, like one thing I'd always say about Andy, like he's an unbelievable coach and like he's a great bloke as well. Like in terms of, I should be the guy that hits him the most, really. If you're looking at players, like I don't get picked really that much. I'm in squads, but I don't get playing. But I actually have total respect for him. Like he's always very upfront about it. I remember the end of last year when I didn't get brought on the tour at the start. There wasn't really a great deal of work-ons for me. It was just a deal, like a, in terms of circumstances, it was just I'm going with Robbie and Bundy and that's him picking. And I sort of respected that in a way. It's not filling my head with crap and telling me things that I shouldn't should be doing. Like there's obviously work-ons here and there, but there wasn't big things that needed to change. It was just those were the guys he was going with. 
Yeah, definitely. Now, I've done a bit of research, chat to a few lads around the Ulster camp, and they say you've got a nickname when you go to Ireland camp. I don't want to be horrible, but this happened to me. And the only reason I bring it up is because it, it happened to me a lot in my career. Now, bearing in mind, Johnny Wilkinson played whenever he could walk. If he if he couldn't walk, I might get a sniff. So it happened to me. But what's the nickname at Ireland camp then from the boys? I don't know. Is it, is it from Coons, is it? <laughs> Basically, John, John Cooney's horrible. He, he told me to call you the Rhino Tackle Bag. I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> John Cooney said it. Hey. He definitely calls me that, but it's very similar situation for him, so he knows he knows that. <laughs> but his hair's on point every training session, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. It's falling out now. I just watched look at the top of it. There's a ball patch coming. Really? Is there? Oh, yeah. He's, he's thinking of getting a hair fillage. Of course he is. Hoggy, fill hog ones. Oh, no, you don't want to go Mickey Rourke. You don't want to go down that hanging bit of kit. You don't want to go down that route. It's almost gone to the point where it just doesn't look right. One of the things with Ulster... Stuart, is we talk about Dan McFarland and probably you guys as a whole, everyone speaks about Leinster, Goody's just mentioned it there. There's the, the, the Munster history that isn't quite there at the minute. What does Dan McFarland say about where you lads are now and about going forward? What's like the realistic expectation? It's probably changed over five years. He's been here now at the start. It was trying to get us back to competing for things, but now I think it's an all-out win. Like, not a winner bust attitude because I think we have a squad that can take us forward in the next two or three years. But if we don't at least get the final or win something now, I don't I don't see what we're doing really. We're pretty close last year. We got beat by Toulouse and over two legs by a point uh, in the 83rd minute, and we lost the Stormers in the 86th minute of semi. So we're pretty close. Like we're moving in the right direction, I'd say. Yeah, you certainly are, and, and obviously that. Uh, the next step is to to get to a final again. I know there was obviously success in 06, but uh, you're not that far away. And in reality, you go back to that Toulouse game. I think it was, was it you that got cleaned out and I put it on social media saying, how did this not get checked when they end up scoring the winning try? So it is fine, fine margins. Is that something that's been spoken about? Because you can do everything you can in the season in the league games, but it ends up being about the knockout games at the end of the year, which hopefully it's a bit of a learning process for you boys to get to that next step, right? Well, one thing we've done, I think the squad's a lot better now the- it was four years ago as well. So depth-wise, if someone gets injured, it's not like we're, we're struggling to back someone up. I think most positions now we've got like two teams basically. So I think that was where we struggled before. We get the semis and have four or five key guys injured. We just struggle. We wouldn't have the the bodies there that could do it. But that was a that was a big thing. And then just finishing our games. Like last year, I know we won most of the games, but a lot of the time we get up and let teams come back at the game. So just trying to finish off games a bit better this year. Talking of players back, the stock horse is back, and he's had a turn. Not that you want to speak for him, but how tough has it been for him, and how important is it for Ulster and Ireland having a player of his quality back? He looks lean. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He looks, he looks really lean. Like uh, he, I thought he played really well at the weekend. Like a couple of drop balls and stuff, but like see when he gets the ball in his hands, he's absolutely electric. So be good. Good after a couple of games, seeing him get his rhythm back and playing again, because you know what it's like. He's been out for a year. It's pretty tough just to come back straight away and be great. But I think he showed glimpses of being class again. It's class to have a guy like that where he can score from anywhere. Like same as Rob, Balkan on the other wing. You sort of give him the ball and get out of the way. Just watch him run real fast. You mentioned Stockhorse being quick there. Who are the lads who are competing? Obviously, you're good self, but you're a bull. You're an offloader now. But with Mike Lowry, Balakoon and these lads, you've got some quality quick guys in and around it. Who is the quickest out of all of them? I don't like. I can tell you who the quickest is. There's a guy. Uh, he's on the. He'll be playing for us. Well, he's on the bench last week. Guy Aaron Sexton. He's ran ten point one over hundred meters. Jeez, he's absolutely rapid. Like <laughs> Jim, what are you shaking your head at? There, it's like you weren't even bothered. I did fourteen point one, so it's only four <laughs> seconds behind that. But 
he's rapid. Eh? He's obviously no re- no relation to Johnny Sexton then, because he hasn't got those wheels, has he? Oh, definitely not. Watch to get he's he's playing this week against the Scarlets. If he gets it up and field, we see how fast he is. It is insane. Are these athletes coming through now? Is it? I mean, not that you're an old boy, but you're you're in your prime. You're thirty. Are these young lads coming through now? Are they stronger and fitter like you've never seen? Yeah, well said. Thanks, thanks to the prime. <laughs> it's weird. These I think the lads start doing all this professional stuff so young. They're, they're training from when they're sixteen, seventeen. Not like I probably started a bit later, but. It's mental. They're already ready to play professional rugby when they get to the age of 19 instead of still being at uni and going out three nights a week. So, yeah, they're ready to play a lot earlier. They're better athletes than they were back in the day. So it's good to see. It's good for us as well. And tell me about these young kids. Tell me they, they like to have a beer at some point. Because I know, whereas Jim says you're in your prime, I like to think that you're well-travelled and you know, you're the sort of boy that likes a beer after a game, even though kids are now a big part of it. Are the boys still having a beer and stuff after a game? Yeah, you get you, you do get a few good ones now. I think there's a two nighter in Swansea this weekend, so I'm sure a few boys will be out after that. But yeah, the young lads will still go out. We still get a few good stories on Monday, which is nice to hear. Doesn't change too much. Nice. Staying in Swansea, pack a shirt, mate. That's all you need to know. I just want to be a little bit self indulgent and ask you about the New Zealand talk. Because I know you got called up and you got to play against the New Zealand Maori. That must have been a hell of an experience for you. I was a strange one. I actually missed Mustagdu. Got called on Thursday. Mustagdu was meant to be on the Saturday. It was class, an amazing place in New Zealand. It was a few, like, for the guys that were playing the Mari game, it was sort of, we were finished from the Tuesday night, we were sort of finished off, had to train the rest of it, so it was a nice experience, a bit of Auckland, or a bit of Wellington, so it was, a few days before the test match. But the lads that played in the test were unbelievable, like, really put New Zealand to the sword. It could be more points in a few of the games. And with them games as well, when you're in New Zealand... Because I remember no one recognised me when I was there the World Cup in 2011. I thought they might have Hamilton, obviously the association with Scotland. But as Irish players, when they're in there and the tour went so well for the players, there's high-profile players, a lot of them toured there, the British and Irish Lions tour a few years ago. Are they getting recognised when they're there or is there still that humble arrogance of the Kiwis where they've got no idea who the lads are, all they care about is the All Blacks or have they gone up in the expectations, do you think, of the public? No, I think they've gone up in the expectations of the public. I don't know what it'll be like for Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. Hey, great lads shit at rugby. They only care about Finn, I reckon. That's it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, they recognise the love of the lads. Like, Johnny was getting stopped everywhere. Peter Manley, those Bundy, those kind of lads. Like, stick out like a sore thumb, so they do. So, yeah, they were... They're pretty much passed through the whole time. I think they've got a bit more respect for the other teams now. Obviously, World Cup at the end of the year must be on the horizon for you in terms of wanting to be part of that. I'll have an amazing chance of winning it, as we've seen, going over to New Zealand. You need a bit of luck and other things going your way and obviously playing well to get there. Uh, Is that even a thought at the minute or is it more a case of just crack on with Ulster and see where you get to? At the start of the year, I like like we so enjoyed you do things pre-season where you sort of set yourself goals. Like That's something I would love to do, but at the minute, not really. Try to get game to game, try to stay fit. It's one of those ones will need a bit of luck. It doesn't really matter how well I play, but I do need a bit of luck to get a, a few chances in there. But hopefully get a, get a go. And if I can get in there again, sure put, put a marker down. All right, sure. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for the rest of the season with Ulster. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Stu. Look forward Thanks to for a, coming on, mate. A Guinness and Blackcurrant in, in Belfast at some point this year. Get down, boys. We'll see you. Good night. When we're in Ulster, it'd be good to catch up. If you want to come to a live show or anything, we'd love to have you. We're not having KV again. He was absolutely fucking abysmal. <laughs> absolutely was. abysmal. He loves to say he's good at these things as well. Arguably the worst guest we've ever had. And we actually <laughs> said it to When we're on stage, we actually had to say to him, Goody, like, are you going to answer like anything? Are you going to answer a question or not? Yeah. He, he just was... sat there on his phone. Shocking. Uh, so not like him. You can never shut him up. Yeah, we'll get you on. It'd be class to have you. Cheers, Ralph, mate. Catch you there. Cheers, mate. Top bloke.
Top lad. Yeah, he is. I can't call him the horse. Well, we like we're big Ulster fans. Like him and Humey last year were playing ridiculously well, and that offload at the weekend was redonkulous. So, it, and it's true. Like, I asked a, t- a couple of tough questions in there around the island picture, but how good is it to hear a coach just going, "I'm not going to bullshit you," because we've all been bullshitted by coaches, right? And he's talking about Andy Farrell. He said, "Andy Farrell's not filling my head with do this, do that, and you'll get picked." It's just like, well, you've got some unbelievable centres in front of you at the minute as well, and humble guy, nice guy. Can't wait to have a, a Guinness and Blackcurrant with him and what an offload. I'd love to see him have a bit of a run. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because we've had him on and we like him. We've had a number of players on, but I'd like to see him have a run and add to his six caps. You get players, right, that are club players and they're amazing class, international class club players who don't end up being an international. Jackson Ray, yeah. for example, is a perfect example in the Premiership. But I think for me, he is a level above that in terms of his output for Ulster and how close he is to the Ireland squad. I'd love to see him have more caps than he's got. He deserves it. Yeah, top boy. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Let's go back to the premiership now then. Sale, how impressed have you guys been with their start to the season? They were without star signing George Ford, had a red card after seven minutes. Bath still won 37-20. Like Jim said around Saracens, and you watch how Sale attack. We always know Sale could be physical. Yeah, you know, some of the beasts that have had playing for him. You know, Akko van der Merwe at hooker is an absolute... He's about three foot tall, but he's an absolute monster for three foot tall. Just bouncing boys for fun. But they've always had that physicality. They've always had... They've got Manu in the centres. You've got the Dupree twins playing up front as well. So they can always go around monstering boys. But again, you get George Ford, and I know he's not on the field at the minute. Rob Dupree is playing at 10, who I... I've got my reservations around, but you can see with George Ford going there and understanding the threats that they have. And it was similar when AJ McGinty played last year for them. They've got the ability to go out the back. Just look at Aka van der Merwe's try when Cy McIntyre, Lucid Prop, 
Played with them at Wasps. Oh, my chesty, he was called. He had the biggest chest you've ever seen in your life, but the tiniest little calves. But he didn't have that. And I'm, I'm probably, I'm not doing him a disservice, but at Wasps, he probably didn't have that skill set in him to be able to flick the out the back offload at the line under pressure. It was ridiculous. So if anyone's out there, they haven't seen it, go and watch Aka van der Merwe's try and see how it's created by a little flick out the back from a loose head prop. That is the game's evolution. Sale, two from two. If they want to go route one, they're going route one. They can play around you as well. O'Flaherty on the wing is making breaks for fun as well. And yeah, they they look a, a serious contender this year. And I think I just didn't put them in the top four. I put Saints in instead of them, which I'm probably regretting now. So, But I'm a man of a word. I'll stick to what I said. Sale looked great. I don't want to go too hard at Nick Shornet. I can't say his name properly because I'm so posh. Nick Scornet, because he's got a great coffee shop. Guilt Trip Coffee, big shout out to them in Worcester. And they gave us a coffee and rave out all the donuts for the Ed Slater ride. But they went down to 14 men because of his red card. High shot on David Atwood. And they still look comfortable. So maybe I was wrong about Bath and they are going to finish bottom. It was a quiet first half at Franklin Gardens, but Northampton and London Irish exploded after the break, didn't it? Northampton could be the team. Andrew Good, the dark horses. Yeah, I put them in my top four. I still don't think their tight five is good enough to win the Prem when it gets to the deep, dark knockout stages. But, I mean, Irish had three yellow cards on 37, 39 and 40 minutes to Tom Pearson, who I think is a really good back row, actually. Henry Arundel and uh, Rob Simmons. You expected Saints to come out after the break and score about three or four real quick tries. Irish were down to 12 men and fair play to them. They hung on for the whole of the yellow cards issues pretty much. And then Saints scored, Ollie Slightham scored on 51 minutes and then it opened up a bit. But Alex Mitchell at nine looks class again. You know, he obviously chipped one over and then regathered the ball, put the long ball in for the try in the corner, scored one himself as well. He was a big point of difference for him. We always know when they play at pace, they've got threats across the park in the back line. It's just when you play the big boys, you know, can their tight five sort of stay in the fight and, and keep them in it? They look good on the front foot and they were towards the back end of the game, a comfortable victory. The champions had too much for Newcastle, didn't they? Oh, it's all about the Andy Good sweep. Absolutely rocking there on Saturday. Do you know what? I was at the game, obviously. I think the thing that struck me most was, and we're going back to what's happened over the weekend with the funeral, the minute silence at Leicester and then singing the anthem, I was there, stood there in the stand doing it. It was very moving. And then Leicester absolutely flew out the blocks. Two very early tries and then they went quiet. Newcastle came back into it, but it was comfortable. Nandolo, I mean, he's just ridiculous. I love Nandolo. He's been on the podcast. He's been to a live show. He's going back to the Waratahs, but he was ridiculous. Ashy scored a, a nice little meat pie, running one in. Yeah, off. we don't want to talk about him though. Yeah, off Nandolo. And they were good. Porter was back in the centres. He played really well. And obviously, listen, you're going to get a reaction from Leicester at home after losing in the last minute to Exeter the week before. Newcastle, poor old Newcastle. They have got some dangerous guys and, and runners and you know they're trying to attack from everywhere, but they're going to be down there. So yeah, Leicester did a good job. Right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, plenty of good this week. We're going to start off in Australia, Andy Rowe, and the Bledisloe Cup game in Melbourne is up there with one of the best test matches I have seen in donkey's years. So uh, a massive shout out to both of them, especially Pete Samu from Australia. He was ridiculous in the back row. Eight carries, 74 metres, two line breaks and a try. And my new favourite all-backs player is, imagine this being your name, Jim, Samisoni Takiaho. I mean, you'd be one of the few that could say it properly after a few beers, wouldn't you? I mean, Jim Hamilton sounds pretty similar, or and Andy. <laughs> yeah. He was outstanding for the All Blacks. Two tries, such a ridiculous talent. 
his set piece was class as well, wasn't it? Which is something that's been questioned. So uh, Takiyaho was absolutely ridiculous. What else was good? Let's go to the Premiership. Let's go to Bristol's. Two from two with their first win away at Wasps in 22 years. So a good start to the season for them. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, Sale started their season well as well. They're two from two with a 37-20 win down at Bath. Cy McIntyre with the ridiculous offload. Chesty, as we call him, down at Wasps. He's a proper good boy, is Cy Mack, and uh, a ridiculous offload in the build-up to Aka van der Merwe's try. Exeter as well, they get a shout-out there, two from two in the Prem. Alec Hepburn, here's some stats for you, Jim. Alec Hepburn, 25 carries on a game for a prop. That is some ridiculous... Do you even make 25 carries in your career? I didn't. No. I don't even think I touched the ball 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Hepburn made 25 carries against Worcester. Basically, it's the most carries by a prop forward since the evolution of the records. And they started optostatting and all that stuff. So 25 carries in a game of ruggers is ridiculous for a prop. So well done, Alec Hepburn. What else was good? Let's go to Cardiff. A bit of URC action then, Jim. And Toby Falatau was making his debut at the ripe old age of about 46. No, he's not 46. Worldy of a debut, though, for Cardiff. They beat Munster. Uh, outstanding for them. I've got a soft spot for Cardiff because of Die Young. So uh, a great start to the URC for them. Ulster, we've just spoken to Stuart McCloskey earlier in the show. They spanked Connacht. Let's talk about his offload. Absolutely ridiculous. It was outstanding. So uh, a big shout out to Stuart McCloskey and the Ulster boys. Let's go over to Italy, Jim. And we mentioned it. Benetton spanking Glasgow, 33 points to 11. But not only Benetton. We haven't really talked about Zebra because they pushed Leinster really close at the weekend as well. Their stats would probably dictate that they should have won the game. They beat 25 defenders to Leinster's eight. They made 17 offloads to Leinster's six, but Leinster had the goods to get the victory. So a shout out to the two Italian teams, Benetton and Zebra. What else was good? We're going to mention another team that never gets mentioned in the good gym from France. Can you guess the team? Dragons. Oh, uh, Poe. 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 It's Poe. Poe. Sorry, Poe. They get a mention in the good this week. They beat Toulouse 26 points to 16. What? Yeah. So, uh, massive shout so out French. to everyone down at Poe or Poe. Uh, but the good this week goes to a very new friend of mine, a guy from France. We're going to stick with the French theme. Mathieu Reynal is going to get the good this week for having the massive cojones, the bigger balls for making that call for time-wasting against Bernard Foley at the end of the game. Bernard Foley is taking the piss. He's not listening. He's like, no, Matthew, I'm not listening to you. I'll do what I want. Matthew Raynal, no, 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 no. I say play the balls. You know, play the balls. So I give to Scrum to New Zealand. Nick, I tell you, moustache is no moustache. He's a moustache, you know? Is a moustache, and I know, say sorry. I am sorry for the moustache. So, uh, Matthew Reynal, you're going to get the good this week. A ballsy call, but the correct call, in my opinion. The Aussies have gone mad. Some people have gone after him on social media. But I am backing a French referee and a man that I can now call my friend, Matthew Reynal. We message each other on WhatsApp. He's going to come on the podcast, and that's why he's going to get the good this week. I am a sorry. I'm not a sorry. <laughs> the bad. A uh, few bits of bad this week. We're going to start off with Bath. Uh, they get a mention of the bad. They lost at home against 14-man Sale. They're playing Sale 70 minutes down to 14 men. Couldn't get the victory. A bad start to the season from them. Played two, lost two. Liam Williams. 
he gets a mention in the bad this week. Not for being Liam, but yeah, unfortunately for him, had a collarbone injury 20 minutes into his Cardiff debut. Uh, That's going to see him out probably till next year in terms of January next year. So uh, thoughts with Liam and he's had the operation. I hope he recovers well, but he's going to miss the Autumn Internationals. Glasgow, get a mention in the bad this week, getting smashed at Benetton. I wanted to give him the bad, but I can't because something else is badder than Glasgow's bad. And it's not the Dragons, but they're getting a mention in the bad as well, Jim. Your team, the Dragons, who you said are going to be really competitive this year and you know could push up the league. Well, no, no, no. They took 44 points away at Edinburgh, but at least they went out, right? Did you go for a few well, beers with Naz? No, he doesn't want to talk to me. So they got 100% line out, but he knew what was coming on the pod, so he preempted it. <laughs> there we go. So the Dragons get a mention in the bad. Uh, this might surprise you, Jim. Wasps get mentioned in the bad this week. Well, it doesn't surprise me because, Andrew, they're no longer paying for your car. So that oh, doesn't surprise me now. <laughs> what are you on about? They get mentioned in the bad play too, lost two. With the stats that they had at the weekend, they should have won that game hands down. So um, Lee Blackett was very frustrated. Uh, they get mentioned in the bad this week. But the bad ultimately goes to an Australian gentleman called Bernard Foley. Not only did, in my opinion, he ignore my French friend, Matthew Raynaud, and not listen to what he was saying. But then he went out and did interviews and said, mate, Matthew Raynaud told me time was off, mate. I wasn't wasting time. No, I've caught you out. I've got the audio. I've put it out on social media. The ref mic, he was clear as day was Matthew Raynaud for the first time ever. And you ignored him. But then you can't go onto social media and do interviews and say what you said afterwards and said, mate, I thought time was off, mate. He didn't say time on. Well, he did. Clear as day. So the bad this week, unfortunately goes to Bernard Foley, but I will say he played really well in the game, apart from that last minute. He played exceptionally well. So uh, he gets the bad, but only because you don't take the piss out of my friend Matthew Raynell. A few bits of ugly to go through as well. Nick Shona, red card, head on head against Dave Atwood. He's got a three-game ban, so not good from him. Richie Arnold, here's one for you, Jim. I don't even reckon... We talked about a stat last week where Niall Anik got sent off before even stepping foot onto the field. This player didn't quite go as far, but I bet you even you haven't got this record. Richie Arnold over in Toulouse came on as a sub. Two minutes later, red carded for a head collision. Have you ever done that? I got yellow carded within 35 seconds by Wayne Barnes, but oh, right, I don't want to talk time. about that. In yeah. an international, under Vern yeah. Cotter. And no, I didn't get red carded. Yeah. Though, so he's, I mean, you talk about rigs as well, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> but it's your segment. So Richie Arnold gets a mention. He came off the bench for Toulouse. Uh, two minutes later, got red carded for a head collision. And then finally, there's only one place to go for, for the ugly this week. It's been all over social media. Jim put it up on social media. It went viral. I put it up on social media. It went viral. Darcy Swain, what are you doing? absolute dog shot he's clearly gone for the knee of Quinn Tupia who unfortunately has now been ruled out for a serious period of time after doing his ACL and PCL and MCL or whatever all the CLs are in the knee he's going to be out for at least six months I think so um, yeah a real dog shot from Darcy Swain hopefully there's a decent bang coming because you can he go for the knees how long is he getting I hope he gets 12, 12 weeks. weeks there we go jinx Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we have. I'll go my first two first because one of them short and sharp. It's an apology, kind of backhanded apology, to Phil Robery and his daughter Sally. They're from Cov, and apparently I called Cov a shithole. So apologies, I said that. I did mean it, but they were at the dinner on Wednesday night for Ben and Tom. So thank you for that. And I was maybe seeing Coventry sometime never, but that's not because I'm there. That's because I live in Edinburgh. I've got another shout-out as well. It's the posh end of Coventry. It's in Kenilworth. And it goes to Gav Renoden, 
who played his 300th game for Kenilworth, first team at the weekend. He's in his 40s, but still running the show from scrum half at level five. So Gaz, big shout out to you, brother. Yeah, big shout out to Gaz. I've also got a shout out, Jim, and it goes to a certain Machu Reynal. <laughs> of course it does. I found the WhatsApp. He sent me a WhatsApp. I'm going to read it out to you. Yeah, please and- do. Can you read it out in his accent, please? <laughs> I did actually. When I first read his WhatsApp, I thought, yeah, I'm doing it in his accent. So, hi, Andy. <laughs> Just want to thank you for what you did in social media for me. I will pay my round next time if you accept to be seen in public with a Frenchman. Thanks again. Cheers. Mathieu Reynal. P.S. Bring the camels. <laughs> <laughs> Mathieu, uh, we are now friends. There's a big shout out. Mathieu Reynal. Keep smiling. I'm looking forward to that beer or that bottle of red wine with you, son. I, I smoke at the camel. <laughs> Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Tristan and Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and go get your tickets to next week's live show at eventbrite.co.uk and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Sparhard. Matthew Reynow's best friend. Spot a pod, 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 pod. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.